It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, three, two. All right, everybody, welcome in as we wrap up our NFC South Ultimate Division crossover Monday through Thursday of this week. You heard us talk about each one of the teams here in the NFC South. Now, today, we're going to go over our uh, results from the NFC South preseason team that some of y'all voted on that we were tweeting out a little bit at the beginning got a bunch of votes in we have our results so we're going to dive into those before we dive into them let's go ahead and get started uh, and let me introduce uh, our folks let's go ahead and go in reverse order of the division this time around that way everybody gets some love uh let's go ahead and let them know who to listen to out here yo hey guys what's going on bill Rossetti? of Locked On Panthers here. You can follow me on Twitter at Bill underscore Rossetti, R-I-C-C-E-T-T-E. David Harrison here of the Locked On Bucks podcast on Twitter at DHarrison82. And because I haven't given my co-host a shout out all week long, I'm going to do it today because I'm sure he's been giving me grief anyway. Uh, My normal co-host, James Yarko at Yarko underscore Bucks, also on Twitter. Ross, I won't try to take it personally that you decided you wanted to flip the screen at the end of the week and make me go last. But of course, I am Aaron Freeman, host of Locked On Falcons and Falcfans on Twitter, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. Don't take it personally because technically I never introduced myself, so therefore I'm going last. Ross Jackson here, Ross Jackson, NOLA, host of Locked On Saints. Uh, Very glad to be here with you guys to wrap up a very exciting week here at the NFC South Divisional Crossover, Ultimate Divisional Crossover. We're doing it all across the league here. So, uh, look, we sent out, we put together, and and, uh, David Harrison really put together a fantastic Google form uh, that has all this. uh, We basically wanted to go ahead and do essentially like an all-pro team, but just for the NFC South here in the preseason so there's in a couple of these a little bit of projection a little bit of you know looking into the 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 magic ball to see the future but then there's also some here that you know you're able to actually vote on with things that we've seen already so we're going to hear some rookies here we're going to hear some uh some veterans here we're going to hear a little bit of everything so we'll start off with offense and we'll go through the two top vote getters at most of these positions it's basically two at every offensive position with the exception of wide receiver where we did four. So let's go ahead and kick this off. Uh, Let's go through a couple of positions first and then stop for comments and everything. That way we don't have to try to remember as we go back. But at the quarterback position, we've got Drew Brees as the number one vote getter at quarterback uh, at 285 votes or 83.6% of all votes ended up going to him. It's basically what you're looking at is the percentage of the people that voted, how many of them voted for these guys. And then secondly, Tom Brady out of Tampa Bay with 241 total votes. Guys, any surprises here? No, not at all. It it makes a lot of sense that um, these are obviously two of the legends of the game, and it's uh, not really surprising that the fans are going to vote for those two. Let me remind you all that I do not hate Matt Ryan. I'm sure I (laughs) was getting flack from earlier in the week when it maybe seemed like he wasn't that good. All I was saying was that I just want to see him continue to step up as he has been. Um, But I mean, it's Breeze and Brady. Every quarterback list, if if you ask a fan, 
these two names are going to pop up. So it, no, it's it's no surprise that these are the two guys that easily were voted on. I will chime in and defend Matt Ryan because I'm obligated to. I'm not surprised by the results, but I am ob- obligated as the Lockdown Falcons host to defend Matt Ryan. I will say in the case of Matt Ryan and what he has in favor of him over both Drew Brees and Tom Brady, and I don't want to make this into a big thing, but you can argue certainly that based off of their performances in recent years, that maybe Brees and Brady are on the decline. Though, If we were to do this a year from now or even several months mm-hmm. from now, I am not as convinced that these two guys would sort of top the list. Um, And while, you know, Matt Ryan is not a young man anymore, he's still probably in, you know, towards the end of his prime of his career. So I feel like he has a little bit more longevity than either of these two guys. Obviously we know Teddy Bridgewater also has that long-term longevity. So I feel like we're not that far away from a point where potentially Matt Ryan and and Teddy uh, Bridgewater will be sort of the go-to guys in the NFC South. Uh, you know, in the very near future. So that's my defense of Matt Ryan, but I, I'm not surprised that he he got quote unquote snubbed on this list. No, I, I think that's that's a very valid point. I mean, like like you said earlier, Ross. I mean, some of it's projection, right? Tom Brady, mm-hmm. obviously, getting a little bit of credit for his career, and this is supposed to be a 2020 All NFC South preseason team. So Tom Brady's first year in the NFC South, he hasn't even taken a snap yet in the NFC South officially. Uh, so definitely getting some credit for his career, which I think we all expected would happen. But yeah, I mean, Aaron. No, you're 100% right. I mean, if, if Matt Ryan come out and that Falcons offense can light it up, you know, in 2021, Drew Brees retires, maybe, who knows? I mean, Matt Ryan could be the, the first team quarterback selection and maybe Tom Brady or Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, so, so definitely some, some homage to what Brady has accomplished previous to Tampa uh, influencing the votes here. And we do have a lot of Patriots transfers since Brady signed with the Buccaneers reading right. over at the website and listening to the show. So I, I'm sure that there are some Patriots fans who influence that voting, that voting as well. Yeah. I can't wait till we do this next year and then Matt Ryan still falls behind both Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. It'd be really interesting to see. All right, let's jump over to running backs. Actually, we'll go ahead and we'll go through. Uh, I don't honestly believe that, by the way. Uh, let's go through uh, all the skill position players. Just so we'll go running back, wide receiver, tight end. So running back, first team, Christian McCaffrey, 94.4% of voters going his way. Uh, Alvin Kamara coming up for second team here, 76.8%. And then wide receiver, first team, Julio Jones and Mike Evans taking over 90% of voters uh, there. And then Michael Thomas falling a second team on this one with Chris Godwin. And then tight end Rob Gronkowski uh, with 82.4% of voters going his way. And then second team Jerry Cook of 71.3% there. A uh, couple of surprises here for me, but what about for you guys? Um, you know, it's not a surprise who wound up being – all of these picks, like I'm not sh- shocked at is. It's interesting to me with the tight end position in, in particular with Gronk being the, the leading vote getter. As I mentioned earlier this week when we talked about the Buccaneers on the ultimate divisional crossover on Wednesday, like I don't know if the Gronk of old is, is still exists, but mm-hmm. I, I think it goes back, back to sort of what David's point is, which is, you know, he's getting credit for his career. And then when you look at the rest of the NFC South with – Ian Thomas and Hayden Hurst, both of whom I'm expecting to have good seasons this year, just because they're proven, they're not going to necessarily get the the bump that, you know, more known commodities like Gronk and, and Jared Cook get. And you can also throw OJ Howard into the mix. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see sort of at the end of the season, if we were to redo this, you know, which tight ends would sort of, you know, be the top two vote getters by the end of this year, because I think really it's kind of anybody's race in the NFC South. 
uh, right, uh, you know, in terms of where we'll be at, you know, four or five months from now, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page there. You know, it, it just seems like, like with Tom Brady, we're just giving him credit for his career, right? You know, everybody's loved Gronk over the years. And same thing, his first year in the NFC South after not even playing at all last year. And we know Tampa Bay has a quality group of tight ends in O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait. So, um, but Jared Cook being on there, not surprised. You know, you could definitely argue he's number one. As Aaron said, the, the other options really are both kind of unproven. Hayden Hurst kind of quickly fell out of favor in Baltimore. That's why he was able to be traded. And then, of course, Ian Thomas has just been pretty inconsistent over the first year of his, of his career in, in Carolina. So he still has a lot of work to do to catch up to the to the other tight ends. Uh, wide receiver, no surprise there. I mean, these are just four studs, you know, I imagine DJ Moore was probably very close to cracking this list. Um, I mean, he, he would definitely be number five on this list. I mean, he's kind of a star in the making. He's, you know, he had this huge breakout year last year, and I think he's just going to continue to grow, especially now with Teddy Bridgewater as quarterback and being able to work in a, a Joe Brady offense. So I think you're going to continue to see DJ Moore really take off. I mean, he, uh, he was right up there with a lot of these guys in terms of uh, receiving yards in 2019. So, you know, it's just crazy to think how this is, we're just talking division here with these wide receivers, but you can make a preseason list of all NFC or even all NFL. And these four names are going to pop up that that's Mm -hmm. how incredible it is that this division has so much talent at the wide receiver position. And then obviously not just these guys, but you've got uh, other up-and-comers along with DJ Moore. Calvin Ridley is expected to have a breakout season this year. And um, so, I I mean, just all all the star power uh, at at this position is just incredible and just makes it – makes this division so fun to watch and then running backs I mean it's it's almost no surprise mm-hmm. you know I am curious um the five percent that did not vote for Christian McCaffrey I'm just you know not 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 saying anything bad about them they obviously have a right to their opinion and I respect it I'm just curious who who was voted on I imagine most of them picked Kamara as one of their running backs but you know, yeah, the, the other two, the other throw- two running back options were Todd Gurley and Ronald Jones. And I mean, Todd Gurley is going to be the only other one that you're going to throw in. I mean, are, are we really just going to sit here and say Ronald Jones is a, a good, that good of a running back? You know, I, I personally, I mean, a, a little bit of fantasy notes. Uh, I'm in the Scott Fishbowl. I went and I, I got uh, Keyshawn Vaughn just because I like his his versatility. So, mm-hmm. you know, Todd Gurley, I can understand just because of the whole career thing, but um, yeah, just uh, that, that's probably the biggest surprise to me that Christian McCaffrey wasn't uh, a little bit closer to a hundred percent of the votes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what that can tell us is we've got like a plus minus margin of error, about 5% for Homerism. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my biggest surprise, honestly, uh, is, is that Michael Thomas was the third highest vote getter and wide receiver. And, and again, I think 
that has more to do with some saints hater hating Shout out than to it has to do with, <laughs> with anything else. Uh, oh yeah, I'm, uh, sure, I'm sure they were hammering Julio Jones there. So. I think that's I mean, why Christian McCaffrey didn't get a hundred percent because it was yeah, Falcon fans exactly. voting for Gurley in Camara. So yep. thank you, Falcon fans, for for showing up and being that five percent margin of error. That's what I was alluding to. I'm glad you you put it out there bluntly. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think if you're being objective, Michael Thomas, you know, whether you hate the slants or you hate his personality, whatever, Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the NFC South, I think, right now. Mike Evans, uh, Julio Jones, probably competing for that. Second, I think Mike Evans is overtaken Julio, just, you know, a lot of it has to do with age. Um, but I think Mike Evans is probably overtaken Julio, and then Chris Godwin, obviously, is catching up quick to the, to the back. But, Bill, going back to what you were saying, I think DJ Moore is a top three wide receiver in a lot of divisions in the NFL, if not all of the other divisions outside of the NFC South. But because he's in the NFC South – with these other names, you know, it, that kind of goes down a little bit. And then, of course, you know, the, the history with the quarterback there with, with Cam Newton and his injuries and his struggles. You know, if, if Teddy Bridgewater can come in and be everything Carolina wants him to be, then D.J. Moore could definitely see his career take off in a hurry. Uh, so I agree with you there. But I think that's really the only surprise I have is that Michael Thomas coming in at third is, is definitely a little bit of a slanted vote there. And let's not forget the quarterback play he had last year. I mean, he only had Cam Newton for two games, and then he's playing with – Kyle Allen and Will oh, Will Greer. 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 Yeah, Greer. <laughs> I was like, who is the other guy? Um, yeah, no. Try, I'm trying to say that as if like, you know, like what like you know his name, but it's like it's like who who's he playing with? All right. Um yeah, i I'm glad that you said it, David, because now I don't have to. That's that that was my that was my thing. Um so I feel I feel vindicated here. Uh we can move on to the trenches then. We can move <laughs> into I, I really I have nothing to add. I have nothing to add. Uh we could jump into uh offensive lines. We'll run through all of these. Uh left tackle, first team Teron Armstead, seventy-seven point four percent of voters going his way. Uh second team Jake Matthews, fifty-eight point four percent. Right tackle, Ryan Ramchick out of New Orleans, uh, 87.7% of voters. Tristan Wurst out of Tampa Bay, uh, 65.7% coming in in the second team. Then we'll go uh, left guard, Ali Marpet out of uh, Tampa Bay, 262. So he was at 76.8% of vote getters. Andrus Pete not far behind, though, just three votes separating these two. Uh, Andrus Pete. Y'all, left guard play in the NFL just is not good if Andrew Pete <laughs> is on this list. Uh, New Orleans, 75.7%. Uh, um, Chris Landstrom leading off at first team for right guard out of Atlanta, 63.6%. Eric McCoy coming up close behind uh, with 51.6% out of New Orleans. And then at center, Alex Mack out of Atlanta, rightfully, I believe, holds this uh, top position at first team with 81.8%. And Ryan Jensen, rightfully, I believe, right behind him out of Tampa Bay, 53.7%. Anything stand out here for you guys? Uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's just Pete. Obviously, I like the fact that Tristan Wurst made the list, but again, a whole lot of projection going on there for the first round draft pick. New Orleans represented pretty well. Bill, what's going on in Carolina with the offensive line? Man? <laughs> Carolina getting no love on the offensive line here. I mean, you guys are telling me Matt Paradis isn't a good center. No, <laughs> I'm not telling no, you. No, listen. No, I mean, Carolina's offensive line has always been a huge question mark over the last couple of years. Yes, they did bring in uh, Russell Okung, but, of course, Okung has had some injury history over the last couple of seasons. And really, this is probably just going to be a one-year rental for Okung in Carolina, but at least it does show up their left tackle. But – you know, the only one you're really going to argue, if if you're going to argue him on either of these lists, 
maybe Jake Matthews, but I would still take Jake Matthews at this point over uh, Russell Okum. Teron Armstead, by far the best tackle uh, in this division. And uh, actually, I don't even know if I should say by far because Ryan Ramchick is right up there with him. Um, both both are studs, but um, especially with the left tackles, there's there's no question Teron Armstead. So I totally agree there. Uh, Ramchick and Wirfs can't really uh, can't really argue that. Um, you know, I'll, I'll obviously shout out some love to Taylor Moten, who I've been a huge fan of ever since he came out of Western Michigan. I mean, he's probably going to be one of the next players that uh, Carolina extends to a new contract. He's starting to become one of the core pieces of that Carolina offense. I mean, and Andrews Pete, I mean, when the contract came out, I mean, the, the range of opinions on Twitter was just outstanding. You've had people as far as like, Oh my God, like he's worth this much money, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm seeing people like, did you watch Andrews Pete play? Like he was one of the better guards, you know? And yeah, he, he definitely has, turned his career a little bit around since he kicked inside to guard. You know, he certainly wasn't the greatest tackle, maybe not, you know, certainly didn't live up to that first round status, but he's played pretty well at left guard. You know, I'm not sure how I feel about the the huge contract, but I mean, to each their own. And then um, New Orleans also represented at the, with Eric McCoy on this list who had a tremendous rookie season and is going to be, one of the really good interior linemen and then absolutely Mac and Jensen, no doubt are the, are the two choices here at, at center. Mac is easily the best one. And then Ryan Jensen quietly is, uh, is one of the better centers as well in this league. So really not too, not too surprising how this, how this shaped up, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a, uh, definitely an indictment on the, Carolina offensive line, especially after, you know, I'm sure if they didn't make the trade with Okung, I imagine Trey Turner would have made this list, but Mm -hmm. obviously he's no longer available. So they're one Carolina's best hope of being on this list. Yeah. I will say, um, you know, the, I've been one of those people that has been slandering Andrews Pete in that contract for several months and I will continue to do so uh, for the foreseeable future. And uh, so I think the fact that he got as many votes as he did, only three less votes than Ali Marpet is less a testament to how good a player Andrews Pete is and how much of a, how big a question mark both Carolina and Atlanta have at their left guard position because no one else felt compelled enough to vote for, I mean, one of the things that was interesting when we had Jamal Anderson on the Falcons on lockdown Falcons, you know, last week was he asked us who's going to start at left guard. And we were like, we have no idea for the Falcons. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's part of the issue for that position. The other thing I will say uh, about this is I'm a little surprised that Jake Matthews didn't get as many votes, only getting 58% of the vote. The fact that Tristan Worfs actually got more votes for right tackle than Jake Matthews did for left tackle. I know there's a little bit more competition at that left tackle position in terms of, you know, guys like Russell Okung and Donovan Smith who are established players in this league, but I feel like Jake Matthews has quietly become one of the 10 best left tackles in the NFL over the last two years. And uh, the fact that he couldn't get more votes than a rookie who's never played a step in the NFL um, is disappointing to me. So that, that that's the one thing that stands out with these votes in addition to the popularity of Andrews Pete. I agree yes. with that too. Yeah. 
the one that I'll throw in before we move over to defense, uh, I was actually, even though he's on the team that I cover, Eric McCoy, I was a little surprised to see on this list uh, at right guard because we're talking about voting for him at a position that he, we've never seen him play, right? We saw him play very well last year at center, but he didn't play at right guard. He didn't play right guard in college, at, not for any substantial amount of time. And so I was a little surprised to not see that be Ali Marpet uh, person, or not Ali Marpet, I'm sorry, Alex Kappa personally, but it just is, it, 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 it is as it is. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the, the positioning of Andrus Pete on this list has more to do with just the simple fact that there's not great guard play in the NFC period versus just uh, necessarily the NFC South. And obviously he's going to probably pull more of the votes. If nothing else, he certainly gets the free press anytime that anybody talks about his name and certainly name recognition will play a part in things like this as well. So, all right, let's jump over to the defensive side here. Uh, let's go into, let's just do the entire defensive line. So we got four each here at edge and at interior defensive line. So we'll start off first with edge. Uh, the top two guys in first team, Cam Jordan with 90.6% of voters going his way. Uh, Shaq Barrett with 85.6%. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul also of Tampa Bay, 63.3%. And then Dante Fowler, the new addition in Atlanta, with 56.9%. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I, no surprises for me. You know, Cameron Jordan being the top player, Shaq Barrett, obviously. Uh, leading the NFL in sacks last year. I'm a little surprised that Dante Fowler made it on the list, not because I don't think he's deserving of it, but um, I wasn't necessarily expecting him to uh, be on this list. But I, I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and argue against it. I think certainly you can make a, a very strong case that he's deserving as the fourth guy. Uh, you know, that means someone like Brian Burns gets a little bit mm-hmm. lost in the shuffle. And I know Bill may have some thoughts on that. Yeah, if you're going to replace Dante Fowler with somebody, it's definitely going to be Brian Burns. I mean, he obviously showed a lot of a lot of impact, a lot of potential. You know, basically showed what he what he showed at Florida State and what made him such a top prospect. Um, but again, like we talked about with Brady and and Gronkowski, a lot of it certainly has to do with you know kind of name recognition and. Um, what he's done up to this point. And we know he's, you know, he played fairly well with the Rams uh, after coming over from the Jaguars, you know, certainly has bounced back pretty nicely ever since that ACL tear. So I I imagine Brian Burns wasn't too, too far off this list. Um, But as far as the top three, definitely no surprises there. And then on the interior, you know, maybe you could throw there. Oh, let me let uh, me let me read off the interior names. That's my bad. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot I we didn't even get to D tackle. I'm jumping no, ahead. That, that was, was my that was my fault. D tackle or sorry, interior defensive line uh, for the first team guys: Vita Vea out of Tampa Bay, seventy one point six percent. Grady Jarrett, seventy point one percent. Figuring out that tandem, and then 
uh, second team, and Dominican Sue, 66%. And then Sheldon Rankins, literally one vote behind at 65.7%. So sorry about that. I forgot to throw those guys in there. And so as you can see, once again, no love for the Carolina interior line. But again, it's, it's a brand new crop of guys. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. basically different. Now, obviously, I can hear some Panthers fans out there being like, where's K1 Shorts? I mean, Short has an argument. You can definitely argue Short. He's, he probably would have been next. Mm-hmm. But obviously, injury concerns again with Short. And, you know, how many more years does he have left? in Carolina uh Derek Brown is probably going to be the uh the replacement for short at some time so um but you know it's hard to argue again when we talk about these names that are left off it's like you know who do you who do you put him in in place of I mean Vea has certainly improved over the years Grady Jarrett I mean, I, I would probably rank Grady Jarrett number one. That, that's just me. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jarrett's game. Um, and Dominican Sue is Dominican Sue. And then we, we touched on Sheldon Rankins when, when we talked about the Saints still having a, a very solid career. So, you know, hard to argue the four that are there on the D tackle. And then, you know, same with, with the D line. Again, maybe, you know, Brian Burns can probably fit in, in there somewhere. And then, um, and then K1 Short and Derek Brown would be a, uh, possibly the guys you can argue from the Panthers. But again, this is more, um, this is just more the strength of the other teams and just how, how much of a gap there is between the top three teams in the division versus the Panthers, I think is kind of what we're seeing with uh, the Panthers being very lightly represented on these teams. Yep. Yeah. I think on the interior, I mean, I probably would have reordered. I probably would put Grady Jarrett above via the Bay. I mean, there's only a five vote difference between the two and there's only a 20 vote difference between Vita Vea, the top vote getter and Sheldon Rankins at number four. So it kind of shows you how close of a race mm-hmm. that really was. Uh, Brian Burns, I think I would put there at fourth in the edge group over Dante Fowler. I'm a fan of Dante Fowler. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he might do uh, in Atlanta and how he Morris might employ him to, to, to cause some problems for NFC South quarterback specifically. But I think for right now coming into the preseason, I would have put Brian Burns there in that fourth spot, but overall, I mean, it's kind of the same thing with Chris McCaffrey, right? Like, who are the 10% of people who didn't vote for Cameron Jordan? Like, I don't know how you don't, <laughs> how you don't click Cam Jordan when you're, when you're voting there. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, you know, uh, as we already established, 5% of that is, is Falcon fans. So you got you to figure out the other 5%. The other 5% is Bucks homers. Is what <laughs> is. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would just – the last thing I'll say about the interior D-line, like how Grady Jarrett wasn't number one vote getter wasn't like the the cam jordan of his position group is mm-hmm. shocking to me like i think vita vea uh is, is certainly a fine choice for number two i think the four people i voted for when i when i filled out this form were grady jared vita vea uh i think i had kk short and then i can't remember if i put sue or rankins i probably put sue just because rankins is coming off an injury mm-hmm. as my fourth guy um so but i i feel like you know all the points you guys said, but the fact that Grady Jarrett wasn't the number one vote getter at that group uh, is, is shocking to me. Yeah. Yeah. Health questions with uh, Sheldon Rankins was a big one for me. I don't even think I voted for him. I think that I went with the top three guys in, uh, in short personally. I just think that the, the, the injuries for Rankins are just too much of a question mark at this point. And uh, I think that that might end up being a big part of my, our, you know, when we do the ultimate division crossovers in the next off season, that'll be a very big, big question mark. 
All right, let's lump together. We'll jump in basically everybody else here in terms of linebacker, corner, and safety, and then hit these. So uh, first team for linebacker, we did three for first team, three for second team, so six total, much like exactly the same. We basically just followed the all-pro format. Uh, so first team, Devin White, Levante David, Deion Jones, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, respectively, all between 81.2 and 87.4% of voters going that way. Second team was led off by Shaq Thompson out of Carolina and then followed up by both uh, by two uh, New Orleans linebackers in Demario Davis and then Kiko Alonso. So Kiko Alonso grabbing 48.4% of the vote, Demario Davis grabbing 71.6 and then Shaq Thompson grabbing 76.2 for cornerback. First team was just all New Orleans, uh, Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, 83.3% of the vote for Marshawn Lattimore. And then a big drop off to second place, 68.9% to Janoris Jenkins. So a lot of dispersal of the, these votes after Marshawn Lattimore, Dante Jackson and Carlton Davis rounding out the second team. So we get some Carolina representation back in here and then Tampa Bay as well. 55.7% for Jackson, 51.9 for Carlton Davis. And then safeties, Malcolm Jenkins keeps the tradition alive right now with these new Orleans, with the new Orleans secondary. So a 79.2% for him. Keanu Neal coming in second here out of Atlanta, 69.8%. Not far behind, just four votes separating him and second team, which is led off by Marcus Williams at 68.6%. And then Trey Boston making the list here to wrap up the second team safeties at 48.4%. So what stands out for you guys here? Well, for me, I'll jump in. Devin White getting the most votes for the linebacker group is a little shocking to me. So I guess we're, we're starting to figure out sort of how many bucks homers um, – pick for this because you know I think Levante David is a world-class player obviously I'm very biased in favor of Deion Jones as we've mentioned on these ultimate division crossovers Deion Jones has certainly made a name for himself against opposing teams in the NFC South so it's a little shocking uh, (laughs) to see him get third place uh, because I know Saints fans given the LSU connections as well as the seemingly endless possibility of him getting pick sixes in those games would make me think that they would vote for him. So nothing against Devin White. He certainly deserves to be among the top six linebackers, but it is a little shocking to me that he was the leading vote getter. um, Cause I kind of think out of this group, he's kind of the fourth or fifth best linebacker, but um, you know, I'm sure David might have a different opinion there. And the last thing I'll point out is Keanu Neal getting, I'm, I'm glad that Keanu Neal is on this list. He's dealt with injuries the last two years, has missed, you know, 20 plus games combined over the last two years. But I think the respect that he still gets as being one of the better safeties in the division um, is a testament to him getting, being the second place vote getter. And had he been healthy the last two years, I think he probably clear in a way would have been the, the, the number one vote getter uh, at that position group. So those are my thoughts. Yeah, I mean, Devin White being the top guy is definitely a projection and, and, a, and a testament to his ceiling. And I know a lot of Bucks fans have spent the offseason kind of talking about, you know, if Devin wasn't sick in the season, that he didn't get injured against Carolina there in week season. And I agree with that testament as well. But, I mean, when you're talking about who's established and who's, you know, who's who's got ceiling, you know, Levante David I would put over Devin White, Deion Jones I'd probably put over Devin right now. Uh, Shaq Thompson, Demario Davis. I think you could have that argument, that conversation. I think the only guy on this list I would say is firmly below Devin White entering 2020 is Kiko Alonso. And that's not necessarily a, a you know, shade against him. It just is what it is. Uh, New Orleans, I mean, four votes away from New Orleans almost sweeping the first team <laughs> secondary. That's pretty impressive. And I think, again, that's kind of part of the testament to why everybody's got the Saints still on top of this division because 
while, you know, the Falcons had their offensive weapons and the Bucks and the Panthers got better, it seems, on offense, you know, that the, the Saints still have that, you know, that top, uh, what you can surpass defense there in the back end and their secondary. And I think that's going to play a part into who wins these games and who wins the division. So um, don't have any problems there. I know that some Bucks fans were mad at me personally because uh, Jamel Dean wasn't on the list for cornerbacks, but, you know, it, it just kind of is what it is. Um, when you have young guys like that, I mean, again, Marshawn Lattimore, Janoris Jenkins, Dante Jackson. I know, Bill, you said he had a, you know, he had a, a down year last year, but still I think, you know, more established. You definitely can see that ceiling in him, giving him a little bit of credit there. And then I love Keanu Neal. So, I mean, if he would have come in as the number one safety, I'd have been happy with it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, a lot of you guys just pretty much hit the nail on the head. Uh, probably the only, one of the biggest things that sticks out to me is only 83% votes for Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, we sit here talking about 95% for Christian McCaffrey, 90% for Cameron Jordan, 83% for Marshawn Lattimore. That's it. Whew. I don't know. I don't know. Bucks fans coming together. I was just saying. To, uh, <laughs> to stuff the ballot box a little bit. <laughs> well, I think you can point to Deion Jones only getting 81% to every Jameis Winston supporter. In the, you know that voted on the yeah, I think you might I think you I'm might see that from some you might see that from some uh, Drew Brees truthers as well. <laughs> Go ahead to demolish some Deion Jones. All right, and then we'll quickly wrap up the uh, teams here, looking at kicker, punter, kick returner, punt returner, and special teamer. We got Will Lutz out of New Orleans, eighty-one point eight. Graham Gano coming in at second team kicker out of Carolina, forty-nine point one. Thomas Morissette in New Orleans getting first team punter. 80.6% of votes. Bradley Pinion out of Tampa Bay, 47.2. I know Aaron's got something to say about that. Uh, and then for both of these returners, for kick returner and punt returner, you've got DJ Moore getting first team and then Deontay Harris getting second team. Uh, separated at kick returner only by three votes. Separated at punt returner only by one vote. And then for special teamers, you've got first team Brian Burns out of Carolina and then Ryan Smith out of Tampa Bay. So I'll, I'll get, happily, or actually, because uh, Bill, Bill, we know that we got to get you out of here. Do you have anything you want to say about the special teams? Because Carolina heavily represented in special teams here. Yeah, at least finally we got something with Carolina. <laughs> DJ Moore back there, returner. Although you could make a very strong argument. There's a good reason why DJ Moore and Deontay Harris were very close together. Uh, Deontay you're Harris d- had a tremendous right, rookie season. <laughs> he had a tremendous rookie season at return. Um Graham Gano, you can argue he won't even be the kicker this year. I mean, (laughs) Carolina, I think, is going to have a – who knows what's going to happen. I mean, even fantasy rankings are putting uh, Joey Sly in the rankings over Graham Gano. So, who knows what's going to happen with the Carolina kicking game. But, uh, overall, can't – no no arguments from me. Will Will Lutz, best kicker in the division. Um, Excited to write about him in fantasy again this year for four for four. So, that's going to be quite a lot of fun. Awesome. Awesome. All right, y'all, we'll keep moving. Uh, anybody else have anything on uh, special teams? I I will throw in, you know, I have some strong Bradley Pinion takes. No, I'm kidding, <laughs> of course. Um, you know, I think he's deserving of being sort of the number two punter. I think he's kind of underrated, um, you know, as far as punters go. But uh, it's it's interesting because the Falcons had basically a decade of consistency on their special teams with kicker Matt Bryant and punter Matt Bosher. And both of those guys are gone, and they're going with Young Wei their new kicker, um, who finished the season strong last year, um, but is kind of unproven. They have a rookie punter that we mentioned briefly in 
Tuesday's episode on the <laughs> ultimate divisional crosser in uh, Sterling Hoffert there. So it'll be interesting to sort of see if those two guys can establish a new sort of quote unquote dynasty uh, for the next, you know, nine to 10 years that Brian and Bosher did. So it's, it's fascinating that a year ago, I think it would have been basically the saints and the Falcons sweeping both of those positions as far as, um, you know, kicker and punter go. But now a year later, the Falcons are moving in a new direction and the Saints are sort of established and, and that gives way for other options like the Bradley Pinions of the world to sort of rise up and, and move into the spotlight uh, moving forward. Yeah, I think uh, Will Lutz is a slam dunk choice. I, I'm pretty sure I voted for Young Wei Koo as the second kicker. Uh, Bradley Pinion, I don't know. Tampa Bay's kicker didn't get a whole lot of work last year because the offense did all that work for him. Um, the kick return or punt return, not a surprise. I'm interested to see if, uh, if, you know, we do this again at the end of the season, if maybe, uh, Raymond Calais, you know, he's expected mm-hmm. to kind of win out that return job there in Tampa and probably signal the end of TJ Logan's time in Tampa. I'm, I'm interested to see if he, if maybe he can put a dent, not necessarily take over, but put a dent in some of those votes or, you know, if a Scotty Miller uh, earns that job or, or whoever, mm-hmm. I'm interested to see that because I know the Buccaneers put a, a pretty big, uh, focus on getting their special teams together um not surprised that Matt Gay didn't get as many votes as maybe he could have especially you know a lot of Jameis Winston fans point to that Giants game and it's kind of a turning point and if he makes that kick kind of what could happen after that if if the if the Buccaneers pull out that victory so not not a big surprise there if he comes through with a strong season you could see him challenge that too but um yeah for the most part not a whole lot of surprises for me yeah my biggest my biggest point of contention is just Deontay Harris not being first team on this, that would be that's my only real point of contention throughout all of it. Um, put whatever punter you want back there for either Atlanta or for Tampa Bay. One of those teams out of the four games is going to end up having a punt blocked against the Saints. It's totally fine. Uh, but my thing for kicker was Young Wei as the second yeah. kicker, especially his offside kick ability, which the mm. Saints fans and the Saints learned very closely <laughs> and very personally. Uh, I just think he's, he's an incredible kicker. So, or let me not say incredible, but you know what he does in terms of, a, you know, him as an onside kick guy or an offside kick guy, onside kick, onside kick, sorry. Um, as well as just the, the pretty dope stuff he can manage to pull off as well. Uh, big fan of uh, young way so, all right, let's jump into our recap real quick. I went ahead and tallied up everything. So we have the total team count with the Saints coming in at first with 20 total players making the NFC South, all NFC South preseason team. Tampa Bay coming in second with 16, and then Carolina and Atlanta each tying with eight. Out of those, uh, New Orleans led first team and second team counts with nine and 11, respectively. Second went to Tampa Bay with seven and nine, respectively, and then uh, Atlanta had six first team while Carolina had four first team. And then Atlanta had two second team while Carolina had four second team. And then all told first place vote getters within their own position. Uh, New Orleans leading off with eight, Tampa Bay and Carolina tying with four, and then Atlanta with three. Uh, gentlemen, I, I think this really just kind of goes to show how absolutely talented and stacked this division is all across the board and at every position, you're going to find strengths on one team that aren't present on the other. You're going to find these names at the top of their list in places where, you know, other teams may find themselves toward the bottom. There's just a ton of, a ton of talent all across this division and across these four teams for sure. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating when you look at this, if, if you had told me beforehand that Atlanta and Carolina would have the same number of players um, on this preseason 
uh, all NFC South team, I would have been shocked. I would have expected the Falcons to come out ahead of Carolina. And I think that speaks a little bit to one of the things that we talked about um, earlier this week, which is the question marks around Atlanta, where they have a lot of guys, uh, particularly on defense, that are kind of unproven, that are going to be sort of thrust into the situation. And it'll be interesting if we could sort of set this up for, you know, February, January, whatever, mm-hmm. and sort of see, you know, how much these things change because for not just for the Falcons, but for a number of teams, a lot of young guys, you know, guys in the Bucks secondary, are they, are those guys going to sort of rise up and, and, and get into the mix? Cause there's only one vote getter in Carlton Davis uh, in that secondary group. So a lot of the young guys that w- it'll be interesting to sort of see, you know, four or five months from now, will those guys be at the forefront of this division in terms of, the perception of from a talent standpoint and will some of these older veteran players that are sort of getting in on based off of their proven ability in their body of work will they sort of take a step back for some of these up-and-coming players falcons panthers bucks and uh saints as well so i'll be curious to see how that you know develops in the yeah. coming months and years yeah i'll say really quickly to your point um you know, eight players from Atlanta, eight players at Carolina, but those eight players are not created equally because you look at Atlanta, who's represented four players on offense, four players on defense. Meanwhile, Carolina represented one player on offense, three players on defense, and then four players on special teams uh, as well. Not that we want to insult special teams out here. Everybody knows I love me some special teams, but definitely a very different makeup of those eight players on each team. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Definitely. Yeah, that's what stood out in those numbers to me as well, is people sleeping on Atlanta. And that's, I mean, and that's coming from me, who earlier in the week, I, I you know, very clearly stated, I think <laughs> the, the Falcons have, have slipped to number three in my eyes in the division. But Truth be told, like my my impression of the Falcons and my I guess lack of confidence in the Falcons in 2020 has a lot more to do with the coaching staff than it does with the roster. You know, I think that uh, the Falcons have have an extremely talented roster. Uh, you know, on offense and defense. I mean, you know, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, et cetera, et cetera. I just think that the the coaching staff is not built to drive this vehicle. Um, specifically, Dan Quinn and Dirk Cutter. Uh, the only coach, you know, the only uh, coordinator coach or hire that I really have any confidence in is Raheem Morris. I feel like he's uh, done a lot for his career, learned a lot along the way. And I think that his experience, albeit a, a bad experience overall as the head coach of the Tampa Bay, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is going to serve him really well as he looks forward to getting his second opportunity. I think in the, if he doesn't get a head coaching opportunity in the next three years, I would be uh, incredibly surprised. So, mm-hmm. um, so again, my, my misgivings about the Falcons have less to do with the personnel they have on roster and more to do with, I just, I, at this point until I see Dan Quinn and I see Dirk Cutter come in with, uh, their their systems, their schemes, their approaches to the game, uh, having a makeover because I think that's what they're in dire need of is is a dramatic makeover in their mentalities about football. I just don't have any confidence that they're going to put the Falcons in a position to capitalize on the talent they have. So uh, I think a lot of people sleeping on the Falcons, and you know maybe with with uh, with the guys behind the wheels uh, or behind the wheel there with the headsets on, it, it might you know it, it might turn out true. But at the same time, talent can always win out even if mm-hmm. uh, the coaches don't put them in the right position. 
David, it's interesting you say that because it sounds like you've been listening to a lot of Lockdown Falcons podcasts. I do listen to a lot of Lockdown, the illustrious Lockdown Falcons podcast. <laughs> yes, sir. Because that's basically what I've been talking about for five months is <laughs> not really the questions around the roster. But uh, it, it clearly sounds like you believe that if Raheem Morris can coach uh, Josh Freeman, then he can coach anybody. Bro, I'm I'm team Raheem. Like, Arthur Blank Same. needs to hire Raheem Morris as his next head coach. Yep. Okay. I, I too, am team Raheem. I've never put it that way, but I like it a lot. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, any closing thoughts from this? I think this is a lot of fun. Uh, we, we definitely should put this back up either mid-season or at the end of the season and then see how, uh, how this all shakes out. Yeah, I, I would definitely be very curious to see how this, you know, changes, you know, whether it's mid-season, whether it's the end of the year. Um, because, you know, obviously this is preseason. These are a mix of established careers and expectations and then we'll actually see how that uh, play, or hopefully we'll get the chance to see how that plays out this upcoming season, mm-hmm. uh, given all the things going on. So I would definitely love to revisit this at some point in the next several months. Absolutely. And I'd like to even add on to it some, maybe some superlatives or even, you know, rookie of the year, MVP, stuff oh, like that great. stuff that we really can't have. Like even if we do a preseason MVP, it's still going to, you know, you're still going to get a hat tip to the career versus mm-hmm. the expectation. But at the end of the season, you get an MVP. It's, you know, you're not Drew Brees goes out there and, and throws 30 interceptions, 10 touchdowns. He's not getting MVP votes based off of his career. So I'd be interested to see how that turns out as well. If Drew Brees goes out there, throws 30 interceptions and 10 touchdowns. I'm going to have a lot to talk about on the show. <laughs> they can be like, why, does, why does that number nine look like Jameis Winston? All the time? <laughs> Jameis Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston. <laughs> Jameis Winston just goes out there wearing Drew Brees' jersey. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest things that I'll be watching once we do this again is I'm curious, I'm curious to see what it is about Demario Davis that just doesn't attract attention uh, outside of new Orleans, because I think he's one of the, one of the better linebackers here in the division. So it'd be interesting to see him in a contract year, if he's able to perform himself into a larger spotlight, uh, not only within the division, but around the NFL as well. But a lot of great stuff. He may have taken over. Uh, most people say Levante Davis is the most underrated off-ball linebacker in the NFL. Maybe Demario Davis has kind of taken over that that mantle. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. Possible. If you if you know if anybody's curious about Demario Davis, just watch the him against the Falcons last year, mm-hmm. and you will think he's the best linebacker in the league because they, <laughs> they they literally couldn't block him that entire game. Like, you know, so you know I I talked up Jake Matthews, but like nobody on their offensive line could block him in that game. So. Uh, if you're curious about how good a player DeMario Davis, that's, that's part of it where I'm like, why did Devin White get the most votes when he's not even better than, you know, but that's a conversation for another day. We already talked about that. So it's all good. It's all good. We'll certainly have our opportunities to revisit it. Uh, Fellas, fantastic getting to spend the week working with all of you and getting all this done. Uh, Really appreciate it. Had a blast. And I look forward to uh, the next time we get to, we get to chop it up. Yes, sir. See you during the season. All right, looking forward to it. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. 
Download the Amazon Music app today.